He is an expert on the future of electronic prescribing of controlled substances. You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is David Miller, the Chief Security Officer for Covacent, a subsidiary of CompuWare Corporation located in Detroit, Michigan. Mr. Miller's responsibilities include internal and external system architecture security issues for e-business exchange. Mr. Miller, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much. Bring us up to speed on the status of electronic prescriptions for controlled substances. Well, Today, the uh, electronic prescription of controlled substances is actually not allowed. Uh, it's actually illegal to use an electronic system to prescribe controlled substances. And as a matter of fact, there are no systems available to do that because of that. And this illegality is really controlled by the DEA. And their issue is really focused on drug diversion. And their concern is the fact that, you know, in, with electronic systems, things that are on the Internet, their concern is that hackers could get in or, you know, kind of bad guys get in and basically prescribe themselves drugs for sale on the street. So today there is nothing. What I can tell you, though, is that it is being looked at very closely because e-prescribing is moving forward very quickly, at least for Schedule Three drugs. So these are non-controlled substances. But doctors are very wary about using two systems. And so to get true adoption of e-prescribing for everything, it's been recognized that controlled substances have to be included. So the DEA is looking at that type of prescription. What led to your interest in advocating for the legalization of electronic prescribing for controlled substances? Well, Covacent, the company I work for, really was born out of the automotive community and really was about interoperability in a secure manner for suppliers and automotive. And uh, about four years ago, we moved into the healthcare arena And again, it was at that same interoperability, except in this case, it was interoperability between hospital systems, between hospital systems and pharmacies, and hospital systems and labs. The concept of a user, in this case a doctor, being able to get information about patients at many places, as opposed to getting only the information they have locally. And one of the largest movements, or most forward-reaching movements, in electronic health records and electronic health is e-prescribing. So it's something that Covacin is very has been very much involved in for the last four years, is connecting doctors to e-prescribing uh, processes and tools, things like SureScripts, for example. Unfortunately, where we're trying to push the uh, adoption of electronic media, this law that says that you can't e-prescribe controlled substances is kind of pushing that back. So our interest is really to to be able to facilitate the e-prescribing across all substances in order to facilitate the ability for uh, hospital organizations and and clinicians, physicians, to not just do e-prescribing, but to do all sorts of medical-related information electronically. How were you chosen to testify in front of the U.S. Senate regarding this issue? Well, as I said, Covacent for the last four years has really been working with RIOs, right, which are the regional health information organizations and other communities of doctors and hospitals. And one of the areas that we have been focusing is in the state of Tennessee. And the state of Tennessee actually, one of the people in the state of Tennessee 
actually uh, contacted the Senate because they knew there were going to be hearings on e-prescribing and recommended that because of Covison's history in securing transactions in healthcare, that we may have a unique position and, and be able to be uniquely qualified to talk about what the security implications are of e-prescribing, specifically controlled substances. What did you tell the Senate that the advantages are of e-prescribing for controlled substances? Well, there's a myriad of advantages in e-prescribing in general. So some of the advantages that, again, that we see are specifically security advantages. So in today's world, for controlled substances, it's all on paper. So it's prescription drug pads where a doctor basically writes the prescription out, hands it to the patient, and the patient hands it to the pharmacist. And that really has the ability to be exploited much easier than if what you had is an electronic transaction. So one of the advantages that we believe is it's actually a more secure technology. But more importantly than that advantage is the fact that today, thousands of people in the United States die because of drug interactions, oftentimes because of misread prescriptions. As a matter of fact, it's called death by decimal. So you get a prescription for OxyContin written on a prescription pad, and it's for 0.1 milligrams, and the pharmacist reads it as being 1 milligram, or it's 0.10 milligrams, and the pharmacist doesn't see the point, and it's, he fills it as 10 milligrams. And those are the kind of things that actually kill patients in the United States. With electronic prescribing, what you have is you have significantly higher accuracy. You don't have to worry about, can I read the handwriting of the physician, because it's all an electronic type of medium. Mr. Miller, what are the disadvantages of using e-prescribing for controlled substances? Well, the disadvantages, certainly as the DEA sees it, is they believe that there are security issues, and they're certainly looking very hard and long at the security related to e-prescribing of controlled substances. So they believe that there's a security disadvantage. Personally, myself uh, and Covacent believes that there really are almost no disadvantages. The one thing that may be a little bit of a challenge is it is a new technology, and oftentimes it is difficult to get adoption of a new technology with the physicians having to go from paper to something that's more electronic. And so there certainly would be an adoption issue with this, you know, anything that changes the status quo. But as we see it, there really are no significant disadvantages, and, and the advantages are so large that we certainly believe that uh, the DEA should be looking at changing this rule. How would authentication occur? Well, and that's the crux of the issue. Authentication is really one of the major focuses currently of the federal government in this issue. So specifically, they're not concerned as much about the fact that it's electronic. What they're specifically concerned about is how do you authenticate a physician to make sure that this isn't just somebody sitting at their house or sitting somewhere else. The current proposal is to use something called certificates or PKI in order to authenticate doctors. One of the problems with that is that it's a complicated technology that, that to be honest, is very difficult to implement a, across a very large and broad spectrum of users. So the proposal that we have, the proposal that we talked about at the, the Senate committee, was really to use a combination of regular ID and password or token-based authentication. That's where you type in those numbers that are on the tokens that sometimes you may see given out to people and combine that with some location-based security. So I know that you're in your doctor's office. That's one level of security. And now you can perhaps 
add the ID and password so that anyone in the office can't authenticate in. Who would provide the oversight? I think that the oversight would still be the DEA. So the DEA would provide uh, oversight at some central sort of broker location that really would allow them to see what electronic prescribing is occurring and would allow them to see which doctors are actually prescribing. So it would give them a significantly larger monitoring capability. Ultimately, the oversight will probably be a legislative issue where the legislature would probably come up with some rules of engagement, as it were, or e-prescribing, but it would be managed specifically by the DEA. Explain how doctors would balance security with implementation cost and complexity. So that really is the crux of what our proposal is. The implementation cost and complexity of the PKI solution currently proposed is very, very high. And our experience has been that that cost and complexity is high enough that that barrier would be enough that a doctor would not implement or would not get on board an e-prescribing regime. What we're looking for is the ability to lower that complexity and cost by using technologies that are readily available so that you could use your existing connection to the Internet, for example, that you have at a doctor's office to be able to get to the e-prescribing applications. And then we would use things people are familiar with, for example, IDs and passwords and or some of the things that you've seen that are additional security methods, like uh, personal questions that you may have seen in other areas. So what that does is it lowers the complexity because you're mimicking things that physicians probably see in the real world today, logging on to do web banking or logging on to get email. How would doctors know what type of computer system to choose? In this case, what I think is going to end up happening is this is really going to end up being web-based. So the computer system the doctor has is no longer really of issue. So they can be running whatever computer system that has access to the web. Many of the providers of e-prescribing systems also aid in the onboarding for doctors, providing them with handhelds, for example, to do prescribing directly at the point of care as opposed to having to go into their office to where the computer is. So organizations like SureScripts, for example, really guide the doctor and the doctor's office or hospital system through the process and the technology required to uh, interact with those systems. So it could be done from remote locations like the doctor's home also? It could be done from there. Personally, I believe that in the beginning, what we probably would do is limit the access from the doctor's office in order to mitigate some of the security concerns that the government has. So what it would mean is you can do your prescribing from your doctor's office. If you're going to prescribe in the middle of the night, you may have to go back to your paper-based system to do that. And again, what it does is it provides a certain level of higher security because now I know that you have to be within your office as opposed to being in your house, for example. What are the legislators saying about electronic prescribing for controlled substances behind closed doors since you've been up there on the Senate floor? Interestingly enough, behind closed doors, what they're saying is much the same as to what they're saying very publicly. They are realizing the need for cost savings in healthcare. One of the things that e-prescribing allows is a much better tracking of prescription medication. And to be honest, controlled substances are some of the more expensive of the drugs that are prescribed. And so publicly, they are pushing very hard for more electronic prescribing, electronic medical records, and electronic healthcare in general to be adopted. And so they have actually written a formal letter, the Senate Judiciary Committee has, 
to uh, Attorney General Mukasey to request that there be a review of the current DEA rules on controlled substance e-prescribing, and they really are very public about being able to move this forward. I think one of the things that at least I've seen in some of the discussions outside of the testimony is they would like to be agents of change in this area. They'd like to be able to provide leadership so that more and more organizations would be willing to adopt these standards. Mr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us to discuss e-prescriptions for controlled substances. Thank you. I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening. This ReachMD program is featured on Sermo, a free online community exclusively for physicians. To discuss this program with your colleagues, visit www.sermo.com. That's S-E-R-M-O dot com. When you join, enter ReachMD in the promotion box to receive a $15 Amazon gift card.